Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're not delivering something that's really valued by people longer term, then you're not going to be in business that long. So a lot of people view corporate purpose or organizational purposes as something that's nice to talk about. But in the last five years, it's become really critical and central um, to the core of, of the profit and the growth of a business. It's not just a nice to have anymore. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. A strong sense of purpose or knowing why drives extraordinary outcomes. And Phil Preston helps people and organizations decode purpose to improve their performance and impact. Author of Connecting Profit with Purpose, Phil Preston is founder of the Business Purpose Project and co-host of Corporate Conversations on Purpose. Welcome, Phil Preston. Great. That's great to be here, Nina. <laughs> and we go back at least a decade when I was state president of Professional Speakers Australia in Sydney, and then you followed on uh, two years later as state president. So, um, right. uh, so now we're, we're both sort of involved in podcasting. You've got two podcasts, is that right? That's right, yes. Uh, Corporate Conversations on Purpose is one that I do. I co-host with a lady in Miami Beach, Florida. So we've got a very US, Australia plus Asia, Europe focus from time to time. So that's great. And then we, I have Talking Purpose in Business and Life, which unpacks sort of people more at an individual level. Yes, and we'll 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 put that in the show notes, so the the links, so people can go listen. And I'm hoping you'll share some stories about real life examples of putting purpose in practice, Phil. Oh, I think we'll get there. <laughs> Am I? My, my first opening question is, what's the biggest mistake, a purpose mistake organisations make? Yeah, so first of all, we'll differentiate personal purpose from organisational or corporate purpose. Oh, yes. What's personal and, purpose? Well, well, I mean, we'll, we can come back to that a bit later, but yes. it's really, you know, what we want at a personal level, which is quite different to, you know, what an organisation, an organisation can't play to every single person's, every employee's purpose. So they have um, a stated aim. but. To summarise it, a corporate purpose is the benefit to society that a company is intending to deliver in a profitable way. Now, those final couple of words there, in a profitable way, um, some people go, oh, hang on, profits and purpose, you can't mix those. Uh, but for a business to be sustainable and to perform and do well and be competitive, it has to deliver both those things. So I think in terms of, um, I can think of three key areas that are probably big mistakes, but number one would be not recognising there's a link there that if you're not delivering something that's really valued by people 
longer term, then you're not going to be in business for that long. So a lot of people view corporate purpose or organizational purposes as something that's nice to talk about. But in the last five years, it's become really critical and central um, to the core of, of the profit and the growth of a business. It's not just a nice to have anymore. Yes, and if uh, an organisation wants to be perceived as innovative and not stuck in the mud, then mm. they will have a purpose statement. The biggest mistake an organisation can have is not having a, a purpose statement. That's right. Well, not not really understanding that it's part of the commercial proposition of um, of the of the company. If we go a little deeper into that, you you then start thinking about okay, as a company, what are the social indicators that would tell you if you're delivering on your purpose or not or you know what are the what is the social change you're looking to create so i'll give you an example unilever is is a large multinational company that many people know and probably use its brands um it sort of went through a big uh big change process and making sustainable living commonplace is is their purpose right and you can actually break that down into environmental indicators social indicators it does um you know from a customer perspective trying to help young women in terms of perceptions about body image and, and those um, areas so you can break it down into some key social or environmental outcomes and i think that's uh this comes back to challenges a lot of companies go oh we've got a purpose statement job done down tools <laughs> let's uh let's just carry on but they don't actually get the benefits because you've really got to then layer it into what people do every day and if that's right yeah, in terms of the second, you know, the second big mistake is making it real for people is um where I'm getting called in more and more to to help make that link um between the corporate purpose and and what people do every day, but also people's personal motivation and their personal purpose and making the link between that and the organizational purpose too. Mm. So that that's a whole there's a lot of dimensions to this. And and I think you now the you know, when we you said um I wouldn't think of Volunteer, a volunteering day as being purposed. Well, some people do. Um, so, some people don't, but some people do. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, do, I said it's not yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not. It's a facet though. But you'd be surprised if you go into a room and when I walk into a room and say, "What does purpose mean for you in your life or in your job?" I probably get twenty different answers from twenty different people. Right. So, my role in decoding purpose is to do just that. Say, well, let's really understand what we're talking about here. So. We can now move forward together. Mm, that's fantastic. So you 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 make a distinction between personal purpose, team purpose, and organization purpose. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about those three? What they are, and maybe some examples, please. Yeah, sure. So let's go personal purpose to start with. So it's not appropriate for employers to be saying, "I want to understand your personal purpose," because there's things going on in people's lives. Uh, that are very different, some private, and, and you just can't go there. But they can give people tools for helping them to understand their purpose. And the challenge in the personal space is that, again, if you walk into a room and say, what does purpose mean to you, Nina, and, and everyone else, you know, what does purpose mean in your life? Then, again, you'll probably get 20 different answers from 20 different people. So someone might say it's about being uh, about providing for their family. Someone else might see their purpose as helping the environment. For someone else, it might be maximising their potential and the potential of the people around them, and someone else might see it as, as helping make the world a better place in, in some area. So there's four very simple examples of how people mm. interpret personal purpose. And I'm not a an advocate for the idea that you need one overarching purpose statement because 
as we've just seen with those four different ideas, purpose is a very complex thing. So I don't think you'll find one overarching statement that tells you that it will sort of solve all everything in your life because we are looking, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs says we yes. need certain things. And so, you know, just having that base level ability to live and get by is the first thing. And we want to f- then belonging and connection. And then ultimately we want to be transcending that and helping others. So there's a lot of levels to deal with. Um, so I do a lot of work helping people understand what are the different dimensions of purpose and what does it mean for you? And it comes back to what's really meaningful for you and what sort of goals then do you want to set around those meaningful things? Mm. I worked with a, a coach about 10 years ago and he got me to identify my personal purpose and I've stay, stayed with it ever since. I love seeing the lights go on in people's heads. Yeah. Because right. I do transfer of knowledge. Uh, speed, it, it really started with speed reading, but now it's with everything that I do. So that that switches the lights on in my head. <laughs> yeah. And and that is um, that can be very oriented towards the work that you do, yeah. and it possibly it could be your whole life could be around that, but um, it doesn't need to be. And no. I find it, there's actually um, some studies in the US have found people get purpose anxiety if they can't figure out what that overarching purpose is in their life. Oh, so it's, uh, oh, it's we, bit, we want to avoid that. Yeah, so the, the, get a get coach. Wild <laughs> depression, and um, therefore, you know, I don't see the need for having a lot of pressure on yourself to create that overarching statement. If you have it, great. If you don't, that's fine. Oh, too. listen, if anybody's listening to this and they've got purpose anxiety, either Phil or I can help you with that <laughs> with some coaching. Team purpose, that's a really important one because, you see, I've had an epiphany. Uh, we're leading up to epiphany. Um, just the last f- uh, few months is that I've been doing a lot of work with middle managers and and leaders on leadership. I've mm-hmm. realised that the gap really is is team, teams understanding how they operate and also having a team purpose. So can you give yep. me an example of a team purpose? Well, the team purpose is is sort of wedged in between personal yes. and organisational. So in a way, it's when I run sessions or do speaking, um, the order I do it, it is a personal, organisational, and then come back to team. Right. Be- because you know, once you need those two things before you tackle the team bit in the middle, which is challenging, and and really the team bit is well, what is the role we're playing in the delivery of the organisation's purpose? So we can think, uh, you know, the accounting department is playing a certain role in in helping a company um, function. The janitor at NASA, we we found, is uh, helping yeah. to put him on the moon. But you you would need to break that down a little bit to operationalize it as, as you would understand. So you you can't just leave it at saying, I'm putting man on the moon. You say, well, I'm doing that by, you know, helping people in this way. So what I typically do is help teams. First, we understand what the organizational purpose is and then say, okay, what's your role in helping to deliver that? And then can you craft a narrative to help you explain that? Because if I was turning up to a barbecue, I'd love to be saying, um, look, I work. I work for XYZ company, and our purpose is to whatever help put a man on the moon. And my role in in my team to do that is to make sure we have the finances in place to be able to do it properly. Right. That's that's a bit those. bit like what people call an elevator speech. <laughs> it is. So and so when the, when the people thing- ask you what do you do, you've actually Im- embedded uh, a statement around purpose in that description. Yeah, sounds good. That's right. You've got you've got the big picture, and then you've got the next level down, the team piece. And if you like, you can introduce a personal piece as well. Yes, because I'm really motivated by X, Y, and Z. So therefore, I love doing this. 
and so on and, and give some examples there. And, of course, organisation purpose, uh, well, that often it's tied into mission and vision statements, isn't it? Oh, there's a whole, um, you've, you've uncovered a, a nest of <laughs> blends there, Nina, um, because there's a lot of confusion about vision, mission and purpose. And again, there's no global standard here. So uh, my job is to help organisations figure out what sort of structure is going to work for them. Because for me, I see vision as the the world you'll create if you're successful in delivering your part and everyone yeah. else's as well. Um, you know, so it might be, you know, a world without hunger or a world without waste. So, something like that. But the reality is you're not there now. So um, your purpose is your role in trying to deliver that that vision. Oh, okay. That's a really beautiful distinction, Phil. Thank you so much. I think that will give food for thought for the people that are listening and watching. You you also, in your beautiful article, uh, Fresh Thinking for 2023, and uh, I'm sure we can put in the show notes the link to that article. That was fabulous. It, what inspired me to invite you on to manage self, lead others. You talk about embedding purpose into policies, procedures, and practices. Can you yep. give me any examples of that, please? Yeah, sure. So um, one example was really that team piece we talked about a minute ago of narratives, creating a narrative of what the team does within in terms of delivering that organizational purpose. But then what you would do is to say, okay, how do we know if we're doing this well? And crafting KPIs around that as a team. Uh, another uh, example of just doing this, which is a little bit more qualitative, is um, a team I know within a certain company that uh, they're in the recruitment space. And what they do every Friday afternoon is they they have some drinks. So they knock off at 3 p.m., have a casual drink, and but they go around the circle and they say, okay, what did we do this week to help deliver our purpose? Oh, isn't that nice? Uh, it's, it's actually... Think how easy that is and yet how powerful it is because people then on Monday aren't working in going, you know, what are we doing this for? Um, it's just another paycheck. They're actually quite connected to what they're really there for, which is beautiful. And I was just wondering whose responsibility that is. Now, if 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 you've got a, a, a supervisor or a manager, perhaps it's their responsibility, but maybe they don't resonate so so much with that. So any individual contributor could actually ask that big big picture yeah. question, couldn't they? Oh, it's a it's a great point, a great question because quite often when I'm if if I'm going into the division or department within an organization, quite often they'll say, look at the top level, we haven't we don't understand what our organization's purpose is. But that doesn't mean they can't be doing something themselves. So we almost do a black ops type of approach here and say, okay, well, what do you think your organization's purpose is? And we sort of create some shadow and then start working on, on what they are doing within that. And sometimes they might keep it, want to keep it a little bit underground, but other times they might become the driver and the energizer in the conversation for other people in their organization in terms of operationalizing it. Yeah, one of the things that people who are employed and they're not yet uh, managers, maybe they don't want to be managers, but you can still be intrapreneurial, which is to make it a, a skill and a practice and a discipline to occasionally ask those big picture questions. That it, it might get you noticed for promotion, but even if you're not interested in that, it still is a way to create team cohesion. Is that right? right? Yes, mm. and it's the leadership piece. So it's saying, uh, I can be proactive here. I don't have to wait for someone to come and tap me on the shoulder and tell me how to do it. Um, I should be thinking about these questions and asking them ahead of time. Um, 
the I guess the manager piece is more to to wait and implement what's passed down, but you might be waiting a long time. Um, that's <laughs> fine if you want to operate that way, but the leadership piece is really getting on the front foot. Yeah. All right. So in your article, you talk about the four success factors, capacity, mm-hmm. cohesion, creativity, and critical thinking. Cats mm-hmm. out of the bag. Those are the four four areas. Let's uh shall we take them one at a time? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Do you want, should we do, uh, okay, very quickly, I won't dwell too much. You can probe and prod where you like. So the capacity piece is starting with employees as individuals and saying, how can we ensure everyone's at their best? And in my mind, that's about equipping people with tools and methods they can use to help prioritize things in their life. Because there's, there's no point prioritizing things that don't have any meaning attached to them. Mm. Um, what we find, a simple example, I don't know if Nina, if you've been in this position, but people come to you asking for your contribution all the time and you have an inability to say no. Sometimes you end up sort of carrying around a, a load of tasks and voluntary things you're helping everyone with. But if you actually had a plan, you might say, okay, I'm going to do these three things this year. And you have a plan around that. And when people approach you, you can say, I'd love to help you, but I've got a full agenda and a plan for this year. Let's talk again in six months time. Mm. Uh, so just help, you know, that's more of a time management thing, but, you know, it, it's just a simple thing um, that means a lot. But I do, I guess, run a lot of sessions which helps people unpack what's really meaningful for them in their lives and work comes into that. It's okay, not so capacity is your ability to take on um, the expression uh, or the behaviours that express purpose. I would say it's it's yeah, walk, walking into work being at your best every day Yeah. to then help your team and your organisation do what it does best. Mm. Now, cohesions, that's uh, something I'm very interested in because the silo effect is often referred to, but sometimes when I talk to teams about the silo effect, people go, uh, what's that? And it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> it, it hides in plain sight. Yes, it does. It's uh, and it's still around. We, it's been around for a long time. <clears throat> the greatest thing about purpose is that it gives you a like an anchor or a, a common goal that is immovable. So if your organisation is agreed on its purpose, then you as a team have unpacked what it means for your team. Yeah. Then if people start playing their own personality or or sub team games and are, are driving personal agendas over the team or organisation goal, it's very easy to bring it back. Um, Now, cohesion is really just forming that understanding of organisation, team and individual's role, but purpose gives you that common foundation by which you can always say, okay, are we on the right track here? And one of the silo busters is uh, collaborating across teams. And yes. I know you you have a strong background in collaboration. Can you give, uh, give us one tip on how to create collaboration maybe across teams you know so that we can avoid this um us and them effect of the silo effect yeah i think the main the first thing the foundational thing is to call it out and and say there is the us and them thing like we as individuals have our own 
thing going on in our head and when we have different priorities in life um, but we know we only succeed if we have a balance between our individual what's good for us as an individual versus what's good for our community and the same thing happens within organizations so it's getting people on a common page to accept and understand that we've we've got to be cohesive here we've got to be pursuing the common goal um sure some individual agendas will, will get in the way from time to time we've got to accept that's not acceptable that we're really about the common goal and if you're going to lose people as a result of that, you'd have to question, was that a bad thing? Your third success factor is creativity. Well, that yep, yep. that suggests innovation. That's um, right. So what, what, what would you like to tell us about that? Well, that's about people being inspired to come into work every day and do their best and, and contribute a lot and drive towards great solutions for whether it's for customers or other people within their organisation. So if you have a great purpose statement as a company, people believe in it and they can see it in action, then I think you're going to be inspired to turn up to work every day and give it your best. And one of the the books, um, it's about 10 years old now, but I fall back on this. It's a great book called Tribal Leadership, which found the teams that become consistent high performers are those that are attached to not just beating their competitors, but trying to deliver, they call it a noble cause, but I would call it purpose. Is there a key question that people can generally fall back on like i know with innovation you can say is there a better way to do this or is there another way to do mm. this um have you got some other key questions that will will uh help people exercise their critical thinking muscle yeah i think the key question is what is the main issue and and that's a question in the process so you collect your facts you understand what your assumptions are I mean, those assumptions could be right, but you've just still got to recognise that you need to maybe check that they're all right before you before they become facts. But then from all that, what's the main issue we're dealing with? Um, when when uh, Medibank was hacked and customer data was out there, health records and health information was out there. You know, what was what is the main issue for them? Uh, it could be about, for example, yes, there's all this stuff going on. We've got to patch it up. We've got to plug it. We've got to decide whether we pay a ransom or not. But the real issue might be: Are we going to survive as an organisation oh, or not? Yeah. Yes, that's a real big so, picture question. Yeah, so, so if that's what the committee decided or the crisis committee or executive team decided was the, the real, the main issue, then you've got to start orient, orienting your actions around that, not just being tactical or immediately reactive. And what we see is a lot of teams just reacting very quickly to things rather than doing that full strategic think through. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if there's been some sort of an error or a mistake, another question to fall back on would be what is the root cause? Yes. Root cause questions That's because right. it's like this happened. Yeah, well, what's the root cause of that? And then actually yeah. go as deep as you can uh, to actually identify where where you can make changes that will, like the 80-20 rule, a 20% change can have an 80% result. Yeah. That's right. And you've also got to ask what's the opportunity here? Well, we're going to close, but I'd, I'm wondering if you've got a, a really neat uh, story or an example about how some organisation put purpose into practice and it made a, a big shift or difference. Oh, yes. I've, I've got a wonderful story, and I'm going to come back to Unilever again here because they really spent 10 years doing this transformation under Paul Polman, and they did a lot of hard work there. But how does it pay off? Well, Here's a great little stat for you. Um, well, firstly, they recognise when when young people come into their organisation, they're not coming in for a career for life. You no. know, they're probably going to, on average, be with them 18 months. That's the reality of what's happening today. So they say, that's fine. When they come in, we'll run an induction process. 
will help them understand how their personal purpose links to Unilever's purpose. And so people come in with a pretty positive mindset about that, but also they recognize what's the win-win we can create while you're here with us. So that's the mindset they're in that comes in even to induction and how that plays out in terms of benefit. When we look at um, global surveys of pride in company, the average pride in company score globally is 15%. 15% of people- They're proud of their company. Only 15% of people say, I'm proud of my company. At Unilever, what do you think the figure is, Nina? Well, at least double that. At least double. I'll give you a hint. It's somewhere between 89 and 91. Well, see, that's a shining example. Yeah, so it's 90%. Now, that means their recruitment costs, um, turnover costs, everything, the quality of the talent they get is so much better, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So I think this is how it pays off. But it's hard work getting there, but it's worth investing that hard work because it really pays off financially as well. So how could people read up more about the Unilever process? Is there a book or a... Uh, I cover it very briefly in my, no, only very briefly in my book because a lot of it was still playing out while I was writing that. Um, There are some Harvard Business Review case studies on them and there's actually a great case study on how they fended off the takeover bid from Kraft Heinz. Right. And um, it really exposed what Kraft Heinz was doing poorly and what Unilever was doing really well. I'm glad you mentioned Harvard Business Review because that's where I get a lot of my best knowledge. Uh, it's it's top of its game. So uh, ha- have a look at HBR. Well, our time together has come to an end today. And Phil, I could talk to you all day. We could, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if our, our viewers would love to hear us all day, but we would. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, well, because I no longer live in, in the city of Sydney, we, we don't catch up like we used to. And I was always impressed by your leadership when you led uh, professional speakers chapter. But um, but as well, I've seen your your, uh, your whole business blossom, especially with your book. Tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Connecting with Purpose. Connecting Profit with Purpose. It's Connecting Profit with there. Purpose, yeah. Um, very quickly, it's around strategies that companies have adopted to actually not only do good in the world, but do it in a profitable way. Um, so some of the uh, examples um, around that, uh, look, there's a whole plethora of them, um, and yeah. you'll find it quite interesting. And, you know, one, for example, how a CEO was was helping to reinvigorate the community around a shopping centre, you know, a whole range of different environments, large and small companies, um, and, and different types of strategies. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time today, Phil. It's been uh, an absolute joy to hear, hear your stories. So Great. thank you very Thanks, much. Here's to a fabulous 2023. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.